Well, good morning, everyone. We'll get started. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the sunshine outside. Thank you that you brought each of us here to, uh, to learn from your word. And please, please teach us today um, the pathway to wisdom and how, how we can pursue wis- your wisdom further. Uh, and help us to see your son through all of this. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to our, our third study in the book of Proverbs. Um, so in, in some ways, the first kind of three sessions that we're doing are, are, are somewhat introduction to the book, taking a inter- uh, look at from a couple different angles. Um, so for those of you who've been here the last couple weeks, uh, think about what are some things that, that you've learned over these past couple weeks. So the first, first topic was the high value of wisdom. Last week was the fear of the Lord. I know I'm starting off with questions real early and not everyone's awake, but uh, yeah, what are some, some, some things that you've heard about? this last couple weeks. Start with an easy one. What type of literature is Proverbs? What is it? Wisdom? Okay. And what form is it written in? Poetry. 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 Who's being written to? Solomon's sons, the princes, um, you know, and so Solomon's doing most of the most of the talking throughout the book. So, how would how would you define wisdom, or how have we talked about defining wisdom over these last last couple weeks? Well, we wouldn't define wisdom. Okay, that's a good that's a good Jesus juke type answer. I'm good with that. Don't be wise in your own eyes. That's right. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, when you decide whether or, or, have I achieved wisdom, you'll never know, will you? Sure, sure. So what, what types of things are we pursuing? Is wisdom the same as knowledge? Is it different than knowledge? What, like, what do we mean by that word when we say it? It is God's, but what, what do we mean by it? Learning knowledge, but applying the knowledge. I think it's when we talk about wisdom, the separation. Okay, good, good. Any other, any other high points from the last couple of weeks? How did we define fear of the Lord last week? Two times. There's fear of the Lord. To run away from him is fear of the Lord. Draws you into him. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's good. I, I, the only reason I can is because I actually copied the handout from last week. So Cody's definition, his working definition was the fear of the Lord is the Christian worshipfully moving toward God in response to God's full revelation of himself in scripture, especially in his goodness and provision in Christ. Okay. So we'll, we're going to take some of that same language from last week and we're going to use that as we look at the, the pathway to wisdom, the path to wisdom. So now that we understand the high value of wisdom, and we understand that the fear of the Lord is this worshipful Christian posture. The question remains, how do we get it? So we're going to look at this pathway to wisdom in three buckets. Um, the first two buckets you'll see will deal with overarching principles as of the pathway to wisdom. And the third will deal with applications of those principles in specific scenarios that Proverbs calls out. So that kind of the main point of today's lesson will be wisdom is available to all 
through God's revelation of himself and his ways, is acquired through a humble submission to God and his messengers, and is grown through a life of continually applying wisdom. And I'll repeat that some as we, as we go through. So kind of the theme verse, what we're going to look at today, and we won't necessarily exegete this verse as we go, but if we were to pack all that into to one proverb, it'd probably be Proverbs thirteen twenty. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So uh, first, we'll look at how wisdom is available to all through God's revelation of himself and his ways. So can I get two people, one to look up Proverbs 9, 1 through 6, and someone else, Proverbs 8, 32 to 34. Who can get 9, 1 through 6? Anybody? And then um, who can grab 8, 32 to 34? Okay, if you want to hang on to that one for a bit, we'll do um, Proverbs 9 first. Proverbs 9, 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn it here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and live, and walk in the way of insight. So in Proverbs 9, we read the first part of this, but as, as Ray Ortland puts it in, um, in his works, in his podcast, this is kind of like an altar call in Proverbs 9. So we've got the first half, we've got Lady Wisdom, who's built her house, has got food, has got you know, everything you need to live on one side of the road. Then you're standing in the middle of the road, and on the other side of the road is uh, Woman Folly and her party. And so the, this, the, the reader here is left with a choice of, do I go with Lady Wisdom or, or Woman of Folly? The primary thing I want to catch from this for our lesson today, though, is the aspect of Lady Wisdom calling. Okay? Whoever is simple, whoever lacks sense, come in, eat. If we want wisdom, we must hear wisdom's call. This is a call to life abundant, peace, and health. We hear more about wisdom's call in chapter 8. So the chapter starts out in verses 1 through 7, speaking of the universal availability of wisdom. Wisdom's call is everywhere. Verse 2 says, she calls on the heights and at the crossroads. Verse 3 adds, beside the gates and at the entrance to the portals. Verse 4, my cry is to the children of man. So, So the point of those verses there to let us know that wisdom is calling out everywhere. It's available to anyone who is looking for it. It's not just hidden for some people. The call goes out to to everyone, no matter where you are. So if God offers this wisdom as pictured here in a woman calling, so then why do not all possess wisdom? Can you read um, verses 32 through 34? And now, sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Okay. So what do we learn from these verses about wisdom's call? Why, why doesn't everyone have this? What's required? Discipline. Discipline? Okay. You have to keep the ways of wisdom. You have to keep the ways of wisdom? Yep. So blessed are those who keep my ways. Okay. So those are all good, and I want to think about one other aspect as well. So what verses in the New Testament might this remind us of? This blessed are 
Blessed are those... Okay. Matthew 5, right? So, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So hunger and thirst after righteousness, that sounds a lot like what's in this verse, right? Keep my ways. And from Matthew 5, you know, we, we kind of understand the context more fully there. The blessed are those. Who is that? Who, is the, who are the those in Matthew 5? What are the Beatitudes describing? Those who listen. Those who listen? What's another name for those people? Humble? I'm thinking broader category. So people who, who exemplify the Beatitudes, who are they? Believers. Believers, right? So the blessed are those, that's believers. Believers do these things, right? And that's the same blessed are those that's in, in Proverbs here. So the, the, those who respond to wisdom's call, those who are disciplined to hear wisdom's call, are those who are saved, those who are believers. If you want wisdom, you must be saved. This call to wisdom is a call to salvation. So thinking back to last week, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's the same as the, the call in Proverbs 9. It's one or the other. We either fear the Lord or we despise wisdom. We're either fools or we hunger for God's truth. There's not a middle ground there. It's one or the other. Could someone look up uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 3 through 10? And so first, in order to get wisdom, we must hear wisdom's call. But how do we do that? Can we do it on our own? We'll listen to what uh, Proverbs 2, 3 through 10 says. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So what do these verses teach us? about this, about getting wisdom. Where, it's available. It's available? Where does it come from? From the Lord. From the Lord. Yeah, where do we see that there? Verse 6. Okay. Verse 7. What's that? Proverbs. Yeah, the whole book of Proverbs. Yeah. So, so if it comes from God, how do we get it? We ask for it. Yeah. It says that, um, well, I lost my spot. It says it a couple times in there. But um, so we call out for insight. Verse three, um, seek it for silver. See, seek it for it like silver. So it's, it's a pursuing and asking God for it. And as we ask God for it, he grants it to us. So we, Not just like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a simple one-time ask and that's done. It's it it requires action on our part. It requires pursuing on our part. 
you know, God, God is willing to give that wisdom out. He, you know, he's calling in the streets saying, come get wisdom, but he want, expects us to pursue that as well. That's good. So wisdom calls, as we've seen, but we must call back, right? We must call out to God to get it. So to kind of summarize those first two points, then, if we want wisdom, we must hear and respond to God's revelation of himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the true embodiment of wisdom, right? So this, this wisdom that shows up in the Old Testament comes in bodily form, Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And so as we saw this, blessed are those, that's parallel with the New Testament, these are the people who are saved. If you want God's wisdom, you need Jesus. So we have, to, we have to pursue Jesus. We have to ask for wisdom. We have to be disciplined in that manner in order to get God's wisdom. Any, any questions or thoughts on this section? I require at least one question to quote Garrett. Yes. Um, I don't have a question, but um, verse, uh, verse 4 um, he seek it like silver, search for it. No, I, I do in my, in my mind. I, I don't. I've never searched for silver before. <laughs> um, I've never done that. But my mind goes to like, like the, the people, you know, the gold rush, and, mm-hmm. you know, taking their pans and sifting through all the the stuff to refine, and you know, all the all the stones and pebbles and dirt falls out, and you're kind of left with the, you know, the gold, right? Mm-hmm. And and. I don't know if it's in there or not, but that's where my mind goes to when I read those, is that, you know, we go to God's word, but, you know, I don't know how you guys, but not often do I, you know, go to the Bible and and the very specific thing, like, you know, this is exactly how you're supposed to address this particular thing, you know, is is written out in ingredient form, right? Yeah. But but there's wisdoms there, and you kind of have to sift through that, given the context of what you're dealing with. You know all the 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 drive of what the world is is kind of throwing at you, and mm-hmm. you kind of sift through. You know, it's, it's a very diligent, persistent way of life towards seeking that wisdom to address, you know, life and, and whatever yeah. you're, you're you're dealing with. Yeah, that's good. So I don't know if there's a question there. So, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, this the seeking after treasure. You know, so Proverbs uses these very very short phrases and word pictures to make you you know, create a scenario in your mind to see what this truth is saying. You know, that's the, that's the, the value of Proverbs is that it, it makes it so succinct. It's easy to remember, but it helps you, you know, broaden that picture out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Any other, any other thoughts there? I was yeah. just going to say, um, you know, looking at uh, verse 4 uh, and 5 about seeking uh, wisdom like silver, and like you mentioned, you ask the Lord for it, mm-hmm. James 1 is really helpful um, in that we're, we're not to ask just kind of like, Lord, would you give us wisdom, but I don't know if you're actually going to give it to me. Yeah. Right? It, you know, verse, verse 6, James uh, 1 6 says, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, willing doubts, it's like a wave of the sea, and the earth tossed by the wind. Mm-hmm. That person must not suppose that you will receive anything from the Lord, be double minded man, unstable in all its ways. So if we ask for that, we can trust the Lord's action when we give that to yeah. us. That's good. That's good. So let's transition then to the next section. Can someone look up chapter 7, verses 1 through 3? Thank you. So um, next we'll hear how God's revelation through 
Next, we must hear God's revelation through his word if we want wisdom. So the book of Proverbs opens up with the purpose that the reader may know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. So minimally there, we see that if we want wisdom, we should read Proverbs, right? So even the, the opening of the book tells us that. But beyond that, let's hear um, chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Okay, so what do we what do we learn from these verses that might be the same as the last or a little bit different? Keep what you learn with you. Okay. Keep what you learn with you. Could you imply maybe the commands are referring to the law instead of Good. the Proverbs? Yeah. Yeah, so verse three, that should remind us of another another verse in the Bible. Um, I don't know if you caught that or not, but it should remind you of uh, Deuteronomy six, seven, and eight. So it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children, speaking of the law. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. So Solomon here, part of the requirements of being a king was reading the law and writing the law out. So Solomon would have been very familiar with that verse and probably aware that he was citing it. So, So he is saying here that he realizes that he's instructing his children as the law commands it. And he's quoting this verse from Deuteronomy, referencing all of scripture. So this binding them in this commandment, since he's citing Deuteronomy, is implying that in order to get wisdom, you need to read the whole of God's counsel and all of scripture. Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8. Another, another passage on this, uh, Proverbs twenty two seventeen and 18. Um, you don't have to look it up right now, but it, it says this reading includes inclining our ear, applying our heart, having scripture be ready on our lips. So it's a heart posture, not simply mental acquiring of knowledge, right? So we could read through the Bible and have no heart change, no desire for wisdom. We might have a desire for knowledge that doesn't affect the heart, but it needs to have this inclining your ear and applying your heart to it as well in order to get to get wisdom. Okay. Any any thoughts on those couple verses there? Do you see the link created there with Deuteronomy with the way he cited that? There's a, there's a lot of links like that that show up in Proverbs that they're they're so short. If you if you you don't catch them, you might miss right over it. But um, it's it's meant as a way to help remember all of God's law, and so. So you'll see that. Okay. Reading Proverbs can be hard, though. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest, right? So let's take a little bit of an aside for some tools to help us understand wisdom literature in general. Um, you probably noticed that Hebrew poetry is not like English poetry, right? Which is why even when I asked in the beginning, what type of literature is it? Like, people are kind of hesitant. Is it poetry? Maybe, maybe not poetry. So what are some things that we use to define poetry in English? Like, how, if, if you know something is poetry, why is it poetry? It rhymes. It rhymes. Good. It has verses. It has verses. Okay. Rhythm. Meter. So it's a very, very regular pattern. You can have both depending on, depending on the type. I mean, unless you're talking just like free-form poetry, it kind of does whatever it wants. But most, most English poetry has that rhyme, that meter. Um, you know, our songs show up that way. 
Hebrew poetry is not like that, okay? So Hebrew poetry does not have rhyming. It does not really have meter. Um, it has some word count things that are kind of cool. Like, so the book of Proverbs, most verses are first line is three words, second line is three words. Occasionally, if it really wants to make a point on the second one, the first line is four words, the second line is three words. So it's very short. Um, but the primary defining characteristic of Hebrew poetry is these two versets, this couplet. Okay. So, um, so how that helps us um, think about that is that we have to have both of those, right? You don't want to just do one or the other. This um, couplet is called parallelism. Um, so the, the, the two, two half verses go, are in parallel with each other. It's typically two. Sometimes it's partial, there's more than that of partial lines that are connected in some way. Um, an example of this, the last, last passage we read for the, for the couplet, thinking about this, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablets of your heart. So it's a, it's a repetition there. Okay. These two half lines are related to convey a truth. But the relationship of these half lines or verse sets is, is important uh, because they help us understand the meaning. So in other words, we should never build the interpretation on half a couplet. Okay? If we did, we could certainly have some strange theology. So an example of this, um, to kind of really put this out there, uh, first half of Proverbs 21.9. So in, in the Hebrew, it's, it's saying literally, it is good to dwell in the corner of a housetop. Okay. So if we just stop it there, we preach out of that. We, can, we could end up pretty strange, right? We could become the cult of rooftop dwellers. Band, sleeping in bedrooms. It's good. The Bible says so. It's good to dwell on, on the rooftop. But that's not what the whole verse says, right? Anyone know what the second half of that verse says? Then with a quarrelsome wife, right? In a broad house, okay? In a, in a wide house. Um, Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, the English translations typically go better there just because it helps you notice the connection. Um, but yeah, yeah, the Hebrew behind it is actually just good, you know. Um, so we understand the meaning to actually be quite different, right? So it's the, the relation of those two couplets. So what, what do we get when we relate those two couplets, to get, couplets together? What's the meaning of that verse? It's generally not going to live in a corner of room, but it's better than other, you know, accepting a larger situation to put yourself in. Sure. Yeah, or maybe maybe the the people we marry, the people we live with, live with, are more important than where we live or how rich yeah. we, richly we live, right? Yeah. So it's it's it, but it doesn't say that anywhere in the verse, right? It's the relationship between the two couplets that helps us get that meaning out. Okay. So there's three basic types of relationships that show up in Proverbs. There's more types of relationships in other Hebrew poetry, like in Job and, and stuff, but in Proverbs, it's mainly three types. So, and I'm, I'm borrowing this from um, The Art of Biblical Poetry by Robert Alter. Um, so if you want to look at this more, it's a, it's a super helpful book, although I will warn you, it has a lot of big words that I don't understand in it. So um, it's a rather academic, but it's a, it's a, good, it's a good book. Um, so the first one is equivalence, uh, meaning the two halves are similar in meaning and build on one another. So for example, um, Proverbs 1 verse 2, uh, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, so those are two, um, two half couplets that are, are parallel with one another um, in, in showing the same meaning. So it helps us um, build out the full meaning of those words. It show, it's, it's correlating like insight and wisdom together. Um, and so it helps us build out that full meaning of the text is one way that, that that equivalence is used. It can be used to clarify one line over another or explain it. The second one is antithesis or opposing lines. This could help us draw out multiple truths from the same proverb 
as in the case of Proverbs 18.23. And let's actually flip here real quick. Proverbs 18.23. Okay, so it says, The poor use entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. So what does that, what does that mean? So when you're looking at those two, they're the, the, the wording from a literary perspective is opposed to one another. But so what's the, are either one of these half couplets the good one? Not, not really, right? Neither one of them is good. They're just opposed to each other in a literary fashion. But what's, so what's the message out of this proverb? The poor use entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. Okay. Based on your status. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it, it lets us see both the positive and negative of wealth. Okay, and I think part of what you hit on. So um, you don't you don't want to beg. That's the negativity of wealth. So if you have wealth, you don't have to beg anymore. That's a good thing. But it's easy to be an unfeeling jerk if you're rich too. Right. Right. So it has both of those messages are in that proverb because of the way that those verses are opposed to each other. So it doesn't actually say that, but with that relationship, when you're thinking about that, you can bring out multiple truths. And there's probably more in there too, if, as you think about it. But so proverbs are, des- are designed in a way that they're short and pithy and easy to remember, but you can spend a lot of time thinking about it and mining those truths out of it and seeking the silver, as, as you mentioned before. Okay. Uh, 16.9 is once probably a little bit more, more simple to look at. Um, but it's a different type of antithesis. So the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his path. Okay. So unlike the last verse where neither one of the verses was really the good. In this one, kind of both halves are good, but they're opposed to each other from a, from a language perspective. So what, what is this verse teaching us? Is it saying, it's not saying that the heart, that we shouldn't plan, right? That's not the point of that verse. What is the point of that verse? Yeah, God's the ultimate planner. So we plan, but our plans get overruled. So, so those two lines are in opposition to each other, but they're not saying that either one of them is bad, right? The third one, and this one's kind of unique to Proverbs, is this riddle or shock proverb that shows up. Um, an example of this is 11.22. Can someone read the first half of 11.22? Whenever you get there, what's the first half of 1122? Like a gold ring and a pig snout. Hmm. That's a weird mental picture, right? So it's, it's made to be shocking, right? Are pigs clean or unclean animals in Israel? They're unclean, right? And so one, it's just the kind of like, oh, that's gross because it's a pig. And then two, there's a, a gold ring in the pig snout. So that's like shocks you. And so it makes you stop and pay attention. What's the second half of that verse? It's a beautiful woman without discretion. Okay. Well, now it's even more shocking. Okay, why, why is it shocking with those two couplets put together? What are some, some things that might shock you in that? Comparing a beautiful woman to an unclean animal. Okay. And it's doing that kind of in the word order. Not necessarily in the meaning, 
But in the word order, it gets that initial shock value of like beautiful woman, pig, right? And so it gives you that general oddity. It's also shocking because they, they kind of swap places in the fact the living being and the adornment flip. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. So it's it's saying kind of it. So at least this is what I think it's saying. I could be could be wrong on this, but I think what it's saying is that this lack of discernment is so obvious that that's all you see. There's this giant hog of lack of discernment, and in comparison, the beautiful woman's just this tiny little gold ring in the nose. And so it's not, if, if you don't notice that relationship, right, then it kind of just reads as an insult. He's calling a beautiful woman a pig, you know, and that's all you get out of it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, but that shock there and that oddity makes you stop and think and see, no, that's, there's more to it than that, right? Does that make sense? Okay. So this type of par- riddle parallelism, Parallelism can be the hardest to interpret, but once you do, it tends to paint very vivid pictures and very, very stark contrast. So it's, uh, it's not something that's easy to, easy to figure out necessarily, but it's, it's one of the types that you, you, know, you have to pray and ask God, and you have to be disciplined and seek for it, as we've been mentioning earlier. Okay. So the last way that wisdom is available is through general revelation or creation. So we saw first how it's available through Proverbs, through wisdoms, through um, the call that goes out, through Proverbs, through reading the Bible. Um, but then lastly, it's available through the general revelation or creation. <clears throat> uh, Proverbs 8, I think we have time for this. Can someone um, look up Proverbs 8, 22 through 31? Who's the I in that, in that passage? Wisdom. Okay. We know that from verse 12, which we didn't read. But um, yeah, so, so what's, what's the, this paragraph about? Timelessness of wisdom. Timelessness of wisdom? Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so God created the world through wisdom. And so then logically, which we'll see kind of in multiple ways in Proverbs, you can get wisdom by observing creation, right? 
Now, this is a, this is a lot more non-specific way than, than the Bible, right? So reading the Bible, we have God's direct revelation. So you can look at creation and get a totally wrong view of things too, right? Which we see people do. But you can get wisdom through creation if you're looking at it through the lens of Scripture, right? Because God built it that way. You know, back we t- in the first week, we talked about how the reason why Proverbs works in, in life is because wisdom is what, how God created the world. God created the world to work in this way. Now, certainly it was marred by sin, which, you know, um, Ecclesiastes give us, gives us the flip picture of that more. But generally speaking, you know, in an ideal world, this is how, how the world is made to function when sin's not in the way. Okay. So some examples of this, you know, um, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, right? That's a common one we know. Another one, um, Proverbs 6, 20 through 23. Does someone want to look that one up? Sorry, that's not the one I'm looking for. Proverbs, I skipped a, skipped in place. Proverbs 30, 24 through 28. Proverbs 30, 24 through 28. Who could read that one? So here's, here's um, a few examples. So what are some things that, that are drawn out about creation in, in these couple of verses? Don't, don't feel like you have to look for the right thing here because there's a lot of things you could pull out of these verses. But what are some, some things that you can see in these verses? Yeah, there's, there's order in creation that God put there. And it doesn't necessarily work the same way as it does in human terms. There's no, there's no leader of the uh, locusts, right? But they all march together in rank. Okay, what's something else you might see there? You also don't have to carry size and significance to have wisdom. Mm. Right. That's good, yeah. It's not about who you are physically that determines wisdom, yeah. It's a parallel to interacting with God, Yeah. I think that's a, a comparison that's supposed to be drawn to us. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So kind of all of that was our first and longest point. <clears throat> um, any, any questions on that? So wisdom is available to all um, through God re- God's revelation of himself and his ways. Any, any questions on that? Let's move into the, the second one then. So let's look at how wisdom is acquired through humble submission to God and his messengers. So I need two readers, one Proverbs 6, 20 through 23, and the second one, um, 13, 1. Proverbs 
And you can read whenever you get there. 6, 20 through 23. Keep your father's commandment, forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk to you. Good, good. And then 13.1, anyone have 13.1? A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to you. Mm. Okay, so what do these verses teach? Yeah, wasn't a parental instruction. So submission to the instruction of parents is the regular pattern for children to acquire wisdom. So it's not just just parents instructing. It's not just listening to parents. It's submitting to that wisdom that they teach. It's the regular pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, this implies that the teaching is good. Um, yeah, so for those in the room that are children, God commands you both to obey your parents and listen to their wisdom. For those of us who used to be children, we should remember the wisdom our parents taught us as much as it relayed God's wisdom and heed those words. Right? What about those who don't remember their parents or those who have ungodly parents? Does this mean that someone in that circumstance can't ever have wisdom? No. 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 Why not? Because God is their father. Good. Good. We know it for at least two reasons. So uh, Matthew twelve fifty quote quoting Jesus says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Okay. So on the one hand, we know the gospel redefines family relationships. Okay? So it doesn't necessarily have to be our human um, parents. It can be other parents in the church. Um, it can be brothers and sisters. Uh, those without a physical family have a, now have a spiritual family. And it's not plan B, you know, as, as, as stated here. Um, you know, Matthew 19, 29 says the spiritual family is a hundredfold comparison to the physical family. And part of the reason for that is because the gospel presents God as our true father. He will send his Holy Spirit to his children to teach them all things, as John 14, 26 promises. Okay, so, so this listening to the wisdom of fathers, the re- of parents is a regular pattern, right? But there's... Um, in a fallen world, there's other ways that that happens as well. It happens through church. It happens through submission to other leadership that God puts in our lives. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 26, 12. Could I, someone catch one of those? Proverbs 3, 5 and 26, 12. Yep. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Twenty six twelve. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So, those verses, especially paired together, are kind of weighty, right? Especially what with what we've think, been thinking about so far this morning. Okay. So, if those who acquire wisdom, those who are blessed, those are saved, those are the ones that are saved. Who are the fools? The ones who don't listen to instruction and think they, they know it all. Yeah. 
so they're, and they're by implication probably not saved um, or at least not acting in a, in a believing way, right? So if we think we are wise and trust ourselves as the source and measure of wisdom, we should expect no more hope than a fool has. Our wisdom, our methods of thinking, our ways of deducing and linking ideas together, our entire understanding must be submitted to Christ. So sometimes we think about submission to Christ simply in our actions, in our behaviors, and not actively sinning or not having thoughts about sin. But Proverbs tells us that, no, it's not just that. It's how we think about God. It's how we think about God's world. We need to submit all of our ways of thinking to him as well. Um, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't come up with our own way of doing things, right? So if we don't submit it, if, there's, if there are pockets of our thinking where we believe we know more than what God teaches us, or if in our minds we have principles that we know are not exactly from God, but we like them anyway, we should pray fervently that God would change not only our hearts but our minds. I don't want to stick here too long, so can someone read Proverbs thirteen eighteen? And then 123. 1318 first. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honor. Hmm. Then 123. So what, what's offered here? What does this add to that last thought? Yeah, what, what do these verses add to our, our last thought that we were just talking about? How does this help us? How should we move forward from that last point? Especially Fools certainly reject God's, God's truth and think themselves wise. Even those who are believers, sometimes, sometimes we do as well. But either one, God offers the chance of repentance. Yeah. The gospel shows up everywhere in Proverbs. It, on the one hand, we can skim over it and not notice it. But, I mean, look at this promise in 123. If you turn up my reproof, I will pour out my spirit to you. Right? You know, that, that's a call to the, to the New Testament of the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling within us, right? So, so we have the opportunity to 
turn at God's reproof. So God sends this reproof so that we may turn. So while not submitting our mind to Christ is a dangerous place to be, he still offers his wisdom to those who turn at his reproof. None of us will be perfect in this life, and if we walk with Jesus, he will consistently be showing us ways that we are not submitted to him. How do we then gain wisdom when this is happening? By loving his reproof and correction and repenting. To summarize our two main principles of the path to wisdom, wisdom is available to all through God's revelation of himself and his wisdom. And wisdom is acquired by submission to God and his messengers. Yeah, so let's take some time to discuss those points a little bit. What, what are some, some things that have come to mind for you during that or some questions that you might have, things that, things that weren't explained well? And we should walk into all those conversations. Oh, so go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, on that too, like, mm. we're not above correction. Mm. Yep. And, and in it, giving us, like, enabling ourselves to receive that correction yeah. and repent leads to yeah. uh, receiving that wisdom. Yeah, we should walk into every conversation realizing that we might be wrong. We might not be the one that's right in this situation. You know? And that's not just about overt actions of sin. That's about methods of thinking, too. Um, you know, even if it's something that, you know, we, we, you know, that, you know, as we're reading the Bible, you know, we, we, we're hearing it, it may not be what the Bible's actually teaching. And so surrounding ourselves with counselors and listening to that reproof is the way um, to get wisdom in Proverbs. Any other thoughts or questions on this? to include this reference and I didn't Yeah. 
foundation of the spiritual disciplines, like, like you said, you know, where is wisdom found? It's found in God's word. It's found through the Lord. And so if we commit ourselves to seeking Him there, from that source, it becomes all the more, but um, all, all the more easy to to discern when we're confronted with something that does not comport with God's word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another verse that says that from the New Testament, Second Corinthians ten three through five. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought captive. So that's work. It's work even for, even for the believer. Um, it's, it's hard because that wrestling of the mind is wrestling against strongholds. It's not just... It's not, not just war according to the flesh. Yeah, I, just, I, I guess my, my one little thought there as, as listening to everybody talk there is surround yourself and, and listen, but I, I think there's probably an element of, of there's an activeness there as well is invite somebody in. Like if, if you come across something, you know, in, in, your, in your reading of the Bible or, or you hear something, and, and you're kind of stuck on that. Like, I, I'm not really sure. But I think it's good to invite somebody to trust into that. Say, hey, this is how I'm thinking about money or relationship or whatever the case may be. This is how I'm thinking about that. And, and allow somebody to then kind of an opportunity to bring counsel or wisdom into that. Because um, I, I do think that one extra step of, of actively seeking that, um, especially when we're stuck, is... is really really helpful um to to a christian to christian growth yeah that's good so we'll take a little bit of time on this last point so this last point in the handout is mainly for reference actually um it talks about some specific applications of how this looks in 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 the life of the believer um so wisdom is grown through proper actions behaviors and attitudes and i thought it was interesting it was interesting to me you know looking through proverbs and seeing what topics are called out they're not necessarily the topics that we might think of calling out. I mean, some of them are pretty obvious. Like the first one, avoid sin, you know, love wisdom. But then like speak plainly in a way that heals. Like there's a lot of stuff in Proverbs about not speaking harshly to people. And you gain wisdom by doing so. Um, love your neighbor. Be disciplined and do not follow worthless pursuits. Be faithful. So we got a couple minutes left. So let's, let's look up a few of these references. Um, we won't spend a lot of time on them, but look at a few. So avoid sin. Um, someone want to snag um, 4, 24 through 27, and then maybe um, 5, 22 through 23. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk from far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, that all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Okay. And then 5, um, 22 to 23. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for his lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Yeah, so it's, um, you can link that to the idea of getting wisdom because it's using the opposite term of folly, right? And so 
if you don't pursue that wisdom, this is what, this is what happens. But if you have discipline, then you can grow in wisdom. Right? Good. Um, love wisdom. Um, yeah. I don't have all these verses memorized, so you can grab any of the references I got on the list. Someone wants to grab one or two of those. have grabbed a different one? Verse 6. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. Good. Good. Let's go to this topic of hang out with wise people. Snag a few of those verses. I'll grab um, 1920. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. A different one to that. 1320 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. That's kind of what Josh was talking about a second ago. If you hang out with worldly wisdom, <clears throat> you won't become wise. Okay. Speak plainly in a way that heals. Let's grab a couple of these verses. says there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts but the tongue of the wise brings healing yeah uh, that was uh 1218 mm-hmm. um love your neighbor let's let's look at these two two passages And in, in Proverbs, there's a, a, a link there between righteousness and wisdom. Um, so that's how we can bring that passage in. Let's look at, uh, le- anyone have 11, 12 through 13? A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. A gossip betrays his confidence, but a trustworthy man so it has both the idea of loving your neighbor and being good with your speech, right? So if you, if you belittle people, you're not wise. If you build people up, you are. Okay. Um, be disciplined and do not follow worthless pursuits. Here's another one. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. 
Let's last, who wants to get uh, 22.12, be faithful. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the traitor. Hmm. Yeah. So God, in, in some sense, is guarding his knowledge, knowledge there as well. So yeah, so these are all good verses to meditate on. And we'll see a lot of, you know, like I said at the beginning, this is a bit of an intro class for Proverbs. So the first three kind of were. And so what we're going to see in the coming weeks is specific topics that Proverbs deals with. Um, and so some of what we talked about today will be fleshed out some more. Um, but yeah, just looking at the, the overall picture here, wisdom is available to all. The call goes to all through God's revelation of both himself and his ways. Wisdom is acquired by submission to God and his messengers. We can't just know the information. We have to incline our heart to it, apply our heart to it, and, and hear it. Um, and wisdom is grown through proper actions, behaviors, and attitudes. Let's, um, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for all the things your word has to teach us. Please keep us on the path to wisdom. Help us, help us to repent when we, when we fail and when we sin, when we don't think correctly. And help us to be around other believers who will help uh, point us to you, um, that, we may, that we may gain your wisdom, um, that we may use that wisdom to treat people correctly and to walk in your ways. Uh, in your son's name we pray. Amen.